the first rule of Fight Club. Talk about Fight Club. This is the Fight Club podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. Kia ora, Fight fans, and welcome to the Fight Club podcast. An interesting uh, sort of concept today with uh, myself at home in the comfort of my living room, but Footy is in the new sub studio in Auckland. I can see him through the uh, the wonders of modern technology with my cell phone. Footy, how are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, thanks, Brad. I was, we're pretty lucky that this is kind of a rare occurrence in New Zealand. I feel like a lot of the other podcasts I'm still listening to one that are American, etc. Base are all they they all sound like this. You know what I mean? They're all Zoom based, yeah. but you know, hey, we'll take it as long as we get an episode out, right? Yes, and your dulcet tones coming through nice and clear with that um, very expensive microphone that Sam Harvey invested in, our podcast editor. Hey, um, lots to uh, talk about on the show today. We do have a really cool guest coming up towards the end of the show, and that is the man who was shooting for gold at UFC 262 this weekend, Michael Chandler. Uh, I caught up with him on Tuesday. I have to say, one of the coolest guys I've ever interviewed, Footy, an absolute gentleman, has some really cool things to say about New Zealand and about Dan Hooker, and also uh, has a wish uh, on his wish list is to fight in New Zealand on an Israel Adesanya undercard. That's wow. Okay, that that's kind of at the top yep. of his bucket list. Is weird. Did he bring well, that up, or did you prompt him? Uh, look, I said to him, I said, how would you feel about fighting in New Zealand? Uh, and he goes, yeah, let me fight on an Israel Adesanya undercard. <laughs> he said, fighting fighting under the, one of the biggest names in the sport can only benefit him. So uh, we'll hear a little bit from Michael Chandler later. He, of course, is main eventing UFC 262 this weekend. He seems like a very uh, wholesome guy. Oliveri. What a great dude. And, uh, you know, I have to say I'm rooting for him. Um, we'll also... Uh, uh, talk about with UFC 262, Tony Ferguson's return to the cage against Benil Dariush. He's also come out today and done Tony Ferguson things at the press conference. Um, and we'll mention that as well. But as mentioned, Michael Chandler coming up towards the end of the show. Hey, Footy, let's start with UFC 262. I uh, was supposed to have a, a killer fight between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. That fell off um, about a week or so ago, so I'm fortunate around that. But still, a uh, pretty top-heavy card. The, the, certainly the top three fights are all interesting. Uh, let's start off with the UFC Lightweight Championship. We're very familiar with Charles Oliveira. He's been in the UFC for, for a decade. Uh, he's won eight straight to earn this title fight and looked very, very impressive against Michael Chandler, who, of course, knocked out City Kickboxing's Dan Hooker in his UFC debut. Uh, he's a veteran of Bellator three-time Bellator champion. Uh, this is going to be a great fight for a new king of 155. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome matchup. And, you know, Oliveira has been a real personal favorite of mine. Um, you know, since since the since he started, I think back in sort of 2015, he's been around for a long time now. And really interesting trajectory of his career. Like at one stage, he'd lost four or six fights. Um, his first 19 fights, by the way, 10 wins, Eight losses and one no contest. So he's up and down. He was kind of all over the show. He found his home at lightweight. Um, he's but he's always showing these glimpses of brilliance, even in these kind of losses that he's taken. You know, he's lost to the likes of Ricardo Lamas, and uh, as I said, it has been a bit of a roller coaster for him. But he's found his way to the title shot, and all of his talent, all that talent that had been promised um, so many years ago, has really come to the fore. And he's looked unbeatable. Um, like you said, I think eight in a row. I think he's got the most subs um, in USC history now. And, you know, at, at one stage, he was sort of pigeonholed as a jiu-jitsu fighter. That's completely unfair now. He has elite Muay Thai as well. And, mate, it's going to be a really interesting matchup against Chandler. 
And uh, you, know, you, you said you hope Chandler Dunn. I've been an Oliveira fanboy since day one, and man, I'd love to see that belt get around his waist. Yeah, look, I don't think uh, either guy winning is a, is a bad thing for the sport. Oliveira certainly, if he comes through the other end, it shows that, you know, eight losses on, on your uh, record don't mean anything these <laughs> days. And you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Footy, when you said to me, uh, you know, fight fans are obsessed with the O's and the records, but records at the end of the day don't mean anything. Like, look at Marvin Vittori challenging Israel Adesanya for uh, a middleweight title in a couple of months' time. He's had four losses on his career, but the guy is a legit threat to Izzy's title and I think combat sports fans in New Zealand don't quite understand that records really don't mean anything at the end of the day when you look at Robbie Lawler winning a UFC title with 11 losses on his belt yeah I mean it's People underestimate the the um, the the power of recency bias and what have you done for me lately? And you know, and, and MMA especially, yeah. that's been a really powerful sort of um, theme throughout the entire organization, really. Um, and it just goes to show, hey, if you if you can capture someone's imagination, put a few runs, put a few uh, great performances together. Oliveira, he's you know he's won countless performance of the night bonuses. I mean, he's been an absolute highlight reel. Um, with all these losses, with all these win streaks, with all these eight fights that he's put together, and man, I, I, it's an interesting matchup because it's, you know, they're, they're both not grapplers, but you know, Chandler does he, he does have that sort of grappling foundation, but he can also bang, and yeah. you know, same thing with Oliveira, you know, it's kind of like that elite jujitsu uh, against all American wrestling with the with the uh, the you know the striking on top of it, I guess. But I think Barboza, uh, sorry. Oliveira with his more sort of versatile striking makeup, I think that's really going to come to the fore. I don't think we'll see too much action on the ground. I think perhaps they'll sort of cancel each other out on the um, on the map a little bit. The fight will probably remain standing for the majority of the contest, and you know I, I'm I think it'll be close, but uh, but I'm backing Oliveira. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of leg kicks from Charles Oliveira. I think he's going to look to take the legs out of Michael Chandler and I'm um, speaking to Dan Hooker in the past that's certainly something that he took into that fight with Michael Chandler because Michael's got a very forward front leg um, and Dan didn't really have the time to establish that but it's interesting because I think Chandler has that finish the fight in one second on the feet power and Oliveira has that finish the fight in one second submission <laughs> power if you know what I mean so at any point in the fight neither guy is safe which makes this fight so so exciting yeah. I, I love it uh, and it's really hard to pick a winner here for the uh, it's going to be spectacular no matter what, which way it plays out and you know thinking a little bit more about it it's probably you know it's probably in Dan Hooker's to hit Dan Hooker's benefit if Oliveira comes through and wins this um, so that perhaps that's something that, that the uh, Kiwi fight fans want to might want to keep in mind obviously Chandler's just coming off a pretty big KO of Dan so if Oliveira were to get through um, I think there'd be a quicker path there for Dan to get back to into title contention 100% and that of course this weekend UFC 262 Spark Sports first venture into New Zealand's UFC pay-per-view market uh, you can check uh, you can actually book the pay-per-view through them uh, same price as Sky Sport I understand 34 uh, 35 bucks uh, Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush is the co-main event that's been uh, shipped up the card with the loss of the Nate Diaz-Leon Edwards fight. Uh, this is an interesting fight because Tony Ferguson, just a year ago, footy, uh, what we're, I think we're about 370-odd days removed from the Justin Gaethje fight. And at that point, Tony Ferguson was on like a six-year win streak. And yeah. he seemed to be the guy that most people thought would beat Khabib Nurmagomedov or certainly have the best chance of beating Habib, uh, but you know, a, a two-fight skid for him 
Charles Oliveira on that list of guys that beat him, Justin Gaethje, both those fights, he was completely shut out um, by a uh, sort of flash knockdown of Gaethje, I think in the second or third round of that five-round war. This is a massive fight for Tony Ferguson. Um, he's uh, been very outspoken at the press conference um, on Thursday, uh, Friday in the UFC, and says that he's going to make 2021 his bitch. <laughs> yeah. He actually came with a great um, bar about um, the white privilege uh, that, that Chandler got Dana into. Dana White privilege. Dana, sorry, the Dana White privilege. Yes, exactly. That's the one that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I had to give him props to that. I'm not a huge fan of, um, of Ferguson in general, um, but... You know, Brad would probably agree with me there, <laughs> but but yeah. um, yeah, I had to give him kudos for that one. But yeah, I mean, huge fight for Ferguson, um, potentially a three game skid, three fight skid here. He's thirty seven years old. Um, I mean, he has to do something pretty impressive in this in this fight to really put himself back up amongst the title contenders here at lightweight. Um, you know, it's funny looking back on Ferguson's career. What really enamored himself to UFC fans and such is his super entertaining style. And and most of that was kind of based, when you look back at some of his fights, on him taking obscene amounts of damage. Like just really just yeah. throwing caution to the wind, hands down, taking huge amounts of damage, withstanding that, absorbing it, and then sort of bouncing back and taking advantage of a fatigued opponent. And I think maybe we're getting to that point here where that, that sort of... That, those that we're starting to show now you know you, you spoke about the last two fights are complete shutouts he looked like a sh- shell of his former self and Darius is a dangerous fight for him man and I you know that the, the kid can can throw he's not just a wrestler um you know he kind of had a he was pigeonholed that way when he first came into the organization he also had a few row bumps yeah. he's put together six straight now the only, the only area where I really give Tony a massive advantage is that experience. You know, you look at the, the guys that Darius has beat. Uh, um, I think maybe Drew Dober's probably the, the biggest name or the most impressive name on that resume, whereas obviously Ferguson's been in there with some of the best in the division and in the UFC. Um, but yeah, super dangerous fight for Ferguson. And it's going to be a bit of a turning point in his career, I think, whatever happens today. Um, you know, a win might not be enough. It might have to be impressive. Um, what do you think, Brad? What do you, how do you think this one plays out? Look, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, a year ago, this would be a lay-down misere for me, footy. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I love Benil Darius. He's a, he's a great fighter, super, super well-rounded. But Tony Ferguson was a different kettle of fish altogether. And I agree with you in terms of experiences that Tony Ferguson's had that experience. But you could say that about the fight before that, where, you know, aside from Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson was a massive step up for Charles Oliveira. And he proved that, he could take that step and, you know, shut out Tony Ferguson completely. And Ferguson looked awful in that fight. He said he was um, dealing with a few uh, issues last year, uh, which he's been dealing with with his whole career. Uh, if he's refocused and re-energized and fully 100% fit, he can he can take care of Benil Dararouche, you know, fairly easily in this fight if he, if he wants to. As you said, it just depends on on his mindset and on what type of Tony Ferguson we get. And I'm a little bit worried for him that he's already sidetracked in his focus. And, you know, he called out Michael Chandler today and said that Chandler's been ducking him, which apparently couldn't Dana White is fake news. Uh, and uh, said, you know, like uh, the UFC and these other fighters have been trying to keep the title away from me for years. I'm a Mexican. It doesn't matter if you're colored or not, but I'm made of Native American parts too, so let's go. Like, just some of the stuff he comes out with, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, especially calling out Michael Chandler, who's, like, accepted multiple fights and, and you know, Poirier, Gaethje, all these guys have, have not signed on that dotted line. Uh, you know, like, 
I don't, I don't know, I don't know where his head's at with that. I just he needs to focus on the task ahead of him, and that's a tough task of Benil Dariush. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's an erratic man. He's a very strange man, and it's, he's always been that way. It's kind yeah. of been his calling card, and what's kind of enamored him to a lot of USC fans. But yeah, today was bizarre. It almost felt like he was just throwing out pot shots as if they were parting pot shots, or just trying to get all this, just just a just a basic stream of consciousness about all his perceived, um, you know, wrongdoings. I guess you could say, but. Man, I, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Is, is Joe Rogan on this weekend's? I was going to say, if Joe Rogan's yeah, on this weekend. It's a US-based pay-per-view, yeah. A good, da- a, a good and probably dr- dangerous drinking game to play on Sunday afternoon is um, consume every time Joe Rogan brings up Tony Ferguson's um, bizarre training regime and his cardio. Yeah. And and his and his Eddie Bravo rubber guard. Bravo. Right? Bravo's got to get multiple mentions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tenth yeah. Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Any one of those, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that should be a great fight. Speaking of great fights, Shane Burgos and Edson Barboza in the featherweight division. Uh, Edson Barboza coming off uh, just freshly signing a newly minted, uh, I think, multi-fight, five or six-fight contract with the US UFC after asking for his release. Was always a contender at 155. Has taken a while to settle into 145, but won his last fight after a razor-close loss to Dan Ige in his debut in that weight class. Uh, a dangerous guy in a phenomenal division. 145 for me footy is really starting to, to become a, a, a super interesting weight class with Volkanovski being the champ he's got Holloway chasing after him you've got Ortega you've got all these killers uh, and Burgos and Barboza are no exception to that Calvin Cater Yair Rodriguez you know the list goes on this is a great fight footy great fight between two fantastic strikers man I, I can't pick this one eh? this is this is a tough one this is a really tough one like stylistically they both match up really well Fairly similar styles, I guess. I mean, Virgos is probably a little bit more erratic, or well, a little bit looser, perhaps, with his approach to striking, whereas Barbos is sort of highly technical in that Muay Thai fashion. Best kicks in the UFC, um, as has been widely discussed um, throughout his tenure. Um, Dan Hooker will tell you all about that one. But, man, (laughs) you know... 145, as you said, it's, it's turning into a bit of a murderous row, and, and these two guys are right at the front. Yeah, uh, so that's that's probably my pick for fight of the night. So UFC 262 this weekend, uh, we will have all the results uh, for you on uh, newsub.co.nz oh, oh, did you know that on ju- Sunday. Jacare is fighting as well. Yeah, Andre Munoz. Uh, it's the main event of the prelims, I believe. So interesting, uh, mm. like the way Jacare's career has kind of panned out. You know, like um, hasn't really got on a, on the momentum with the UFC. Like he's he swapped wins with losses on the regular, but he's beaten some some big names, uh, including uh, Chris Weidman. But uh, yeah, he hasn't quite got on that that win streak that he's needed to push for a title fight. I I've always felt that Jacare is title um, worthy. Like he's got the credentials to be a world champion. He was a Strikeforce world champion. He would have been a really interesting matchup for Anderson Silva, you know, when Anderson Silva was still reigning supreme, but just hasn't quite worked out for him in the UFC. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Prime, prime Sousa for sure. I, I see him in that, in that sort of uh, esteem that you, you've sort of noted there, but uh, you know, I think he's 43 years old now. Um, very much on the downward slide. Hasn't looked great in his last couple of fights. Munoz, big opportunity for him against a guy like Suzu. I think he's only had one fight um, in the UFC. Um, submitted um, Fabinski. So if, we'll see where that one goes. You kind of get the sense that perhaps it's sort of do or die for Suzu a little bit. But um, hey, good opportunity for Munoz. 
All right, um, we will get to Michael Chandler in about 10 minutes' time. We just want to run through uh, very quickly a whole bunch of little tidbits around the world of MMA. Uh, we got some fight announcements coming up. But firstly, Footy, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, I didn't um, prep you on this, but you know, I'll catch you cold. The Donald Cerrone situation, he's, uh, he's 0-6 in his last six UFC Oof, fights. Yeah. Dana White has promised him... I lost to Alex Morono viciously uh, um, at UFC Fight Night on the weekend. Um, but Dana White wants to give him one last chance at 155 and a do-or-die matchup for him uh, in terms of his career. I think if any fighter in the UFC deserves that one extra chance, despite the fact he's on an 0-6 uh, stretch, it's uh, Cowboy. Oh, absolutely. He's been a figurehead of the promotion for years. Um, absolute warrior. Uh, you know, never turned down a fight. Um Ridiculously active, one of the busiest fighters probably in UFC history, the the, the stretches of, of fights he's put together and, you know, on top of those, the win bonuses and the flashy KOs. Um, it's a shame because I think the, the possibly the perfect sort of um, curtain call on his career may have been against Diego Sanchez. That might have been the perfect foil for him. Um, and it's a shame we're not going to see Agreed. that. Any, we're not going to see that he, anymore. He would have. He would have won that fight. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And the style, the styles yeah. as well. I mean, if you know, it would have been just a a perfect way for old cowboy to ride off into the sunset, hang his hat, you know, put up his hat. Um, but yeah, of course he deserves another fight. I mean, it goes without saying that the guy should be able to fight as long as he wants. It'd be kind of one of those situations where Danny would have to step in there and say, hey, no more fights for you and almost cut him to get that guy to stop fighting. But I feel like Donald's definitely made quite a bit of cash in his time. He, he had the monster sponsorship. He's won tons of bonuses. He's got his little ranch out there in New Mexico. I think he'd be pretty happy just, um, you know, hanging up his hat and riding off into the can sunset. I, can I throw if out, I can use that cowboy analogy. Can I, throw out, can I throw out an interesting name for you for his last fight? Of course. Dan Hooker. Wow, okay, okay. Two-fight two fight losing streak for the hangman. Wants that, needs that big win to get him back on in the... I guess in the in the psych of um of UFC uh you know top ten he's he's well and truly entrenched in the top ten but needs that big win it's um it's a big risk because if he loses to Cerrone where does he go from there but getting the cowboy on your tool belt of wins if Dan Hooker can pull that off especially if we somehow get this miracle card in Australia towards the end of the year, which um, I think Dana White even alluded to last week, if, if, um, if vaccines and stuff take their place. Hooker versus Cerrone, that sells, sells for me. Even. Yeah, I know where you're coming from there, Brad, but I, just, I think that's too risky for for Dan. You know, you know, I mean, beating beating Cerrone, having Cerrone's name on your resume probably carried a bit of weight a couple of years ago. Now it doesn't really, it doesn't it doesn't give you the boost that it used to. Let's put it that way. Um, I have no doubt that it would be ridiculously entertaining <laughs> and violent yeah. um, and fantastic for the fans. But um, if, I, if I'm just putting on the hooker and the uh, city kickboxing Eugene Beerman hat right now, um, I don't think I'm agreeing to that one. I like, your, I like where your head's at there, though, Brad. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of notes from Bellator. Rumble Johnson uh, will fight Batim Nemkov for the light heavyweight title after progressing through the first round of the tournament, um, the light heavyweight tournament, just on the weekend. Filthy That's KO. Escape jail time. That was uh, a nasty KO. It was a filthy KO. Um, arrested for fraud from 2019. Um, not a lot around that, so we'll have more updates as the weeks roll on. And Sergio Pettis, a former UFC bantamweight, uh, beat Juan Archuleta, the Spaniard, uh, to win the Bellator bantamweight title. Uh, Sergio Pettis, a carbon copy of his brother, like just a slightly smaller version, um, but, you know, like a great notch for him getting that win in Bellator. Juan Archuleta, no joke, 23 and 
two, I think, uh, and has and has dominated Bellator since uh, his debut uh, sort of four or five years ago. That's a big win for Sergio. Yeah, fantastic. He's obviously made the right decision going to Bellator. There, he has looked fan- he's Agreed. has looked really good since he's been there. Um, I know he was almost he was sort of flirting with one championship for a while there as well. Um, but hey. The, the proof is in the title, so yeah, happy for the Pettis families, and you know maybe Anthony will sort of eventually transition into a role of coaching. I, I, I feel like he'd be a pretty natural fit there as well. Yeah, um, I will get to a couple of exciting fight announcements shortly. Uh, firstly, footy, uh, Gina Fabian got a win in PFL last weekend, beating Laura Sanchez, what like almost a week ago. A big win for her in a fantastic lightweight sort of season that they've developed there with the, in the women's PFL tournament. With Kayla Harrison, who's you know regarded as potentially the the future goat of women's MMA, and Larissa Pacheco, former UFC uh, featherweight, looked fantastic um, in dispatching her opponent inside 30 seconds in uh, in her matchup. Uh, those three, Fabian Harrison and Pacheco, likely to contest um, at least three spots in those playoffs. Uh, that's a, a great win for Jenna as she looks to push towards winning a PFI title and certainly going to have to go through Kayla Harrison, which won't be easy, but um, a, a good notch on the belt for her beating a, a tough youngster in Laura Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, Jenna looked great. She looked much improved. I mean, we haven't really seen her in the in the in the cage for a couple of years because of you know last year we had the sort of hiatus with the with the PFL. Um, but man, she looked trimmer. She looked much sharper, lighter on her feet. Her striking looked way more complete. Um, obviously, you know, doing this work and having the boxing and sort of flirting with uh you know different sorts of combat sports has, has really benefited her striking, and and her grappling as well. She looked really good working Sanchez against the fence and. Uh, just looking a much more well-rounded package, so I, I think I think she'll be right up there in terms of the the girls who can compete against Kelly Harrison. At the moment, you know Harrison, it does seem like it's going to be a bit of a golf or, or fall off um, after her in terms of talent. Um, it's going to be Kayla Harrison against whoever. Um, but man, yeah, 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 she put it. She she certainly made a statement there, and you know you heard interesting hearing Dana talk about um, Kayla Harrison and how they tried to get her into the USC. And yeah, you know, would you think that maybe at some stage when Nunez rides off into the sunset, you know, perhaps they shut down that division in the USC, and maybe uh, Nunez tries to tries to hand over in the PFL and you know bank another little seven figure contract and before she moves well, on, Nunez could Nunez could easily. Nunes could easily fight at 155. She's Absolutely. a bit, she's a big girl. But Car- Kayla Harrison, Kayla Harrison fought at 145 for a one-off um, in PFL last year, just for a, a sort of like a marquee fight and won comfortably and cut the weight like a boss. So she can definitely cut to 145. She's done it in her judo career. Uh, she is a better judoka than Ronda Rousey. She is legit, probably the best judoka to ever compete in mixed martial arts. She is. Um, phenomenal. I've uh, been a double Olympic champ, world champion, multi time. Uh, yeah, she, she's a problem. And if her name's on Dana White's lips, footy, and she's talked about how her contract is up with PFL at the end of the season, she's UFC bound. And I see the UFC holding on to the 145 women's title until Kayla Harrison arrives and they'll make Nunes versus Harrison yeah, for that. That's, ex- that's exactly the piece of puzzle that, that, that they need, isn't it? Just sort of bring in all that intrigue that'll come with Kayla Harrison um, and and really sort of bolster that division, which clearly is flagging. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and hell, if, if Dina Fabian can somehow pull off the upset and win, then she's a chance to fight a man. There you go. As well, there you uh, because go. it seems that the, you know, the PFL and the UFC seem to have a reasonably decent relationship. So uh, who knows? Maybe there could be a, a sort of like a loan thing going on there, which would be kind of cool. But I'm not sure what Fabian's contract is, but most of those guys and girls are signed up for one season at a time. So uh, we'll see how that plays that's out. The case, yeah. um, 
Anderson Silva's retired pretty much. Well, at least that's what um, he kind of alluded <clears> to in an interview with Brett Okamoto, uh, certainly basically saying that um, I, the fight game for me is done, I believe is what he said. Uh, Goat. One of, the, one of the goats. One of the goats. Yeah, well, we throw that term around very loosely these days, but in my eyes, the goat um, just... You know, I don't even know where to start with a guy like Anderson Silva. He's, you know, bought, mm-hmm. pulled me into the sport. Um, my favorite fighter back in the day. I kind of, it's weird to hear all the stuff about him. Like, you, you know, most of us have probably considered him to be t- retired already. Um, but yeah, there's going to have to be a, a, a time, some stage during this year, where the UFC take an opportunity to sort of really recognize what he's done um, for the sport. Obviously, they absolutely will do that. And, you know, he's the greatest middleweight ever, um, at least the greatest middleweight ever and um mate we'll miss him there'll be no, no there definitely won't be another spider silver that's for sure yeah he definitely belongs on the mount rushmore of mma fighters uh top three for me footy top three uh gsp at the top of my list but anderson silver not too far behind uh what a, and it was it was great uh sort of as as yourself like developing my fandom for the sport by watching mm. Anderson Silva main event UFCs and just absolutely mesmerizing people with his unbelievable skill set. Um, what, what an absolute champion he was. Uh, all right, fight announcements. We've got a few to get through here, Footy. I'll start in the middleweight division because that's close to our hearts. Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. Massive fight for Darren Till. And for Derek Brunson, Footy, he could end up riding a five-fight win streak, I believe, if he gets this one a four or five fight win streak if he gets through Darren Till and all of a sudden repositions himself back in the mix at middleweight, especially if Marvin Vittori can beat uh, Israel Adesanya. Brunson will be right there in title contention if he can uh, get past Darren Till. And likewise with Darren Till, we know Adesanya wants that fight. Basically, Darren Till just needs to win a fight and he's going to get Izzy. Absolutely, yeah. He just needs to get his hand raised here, and that's going to be enough to convince the UFC. Or because you know the city kickboxing guys will be pressuring um, Dana to to get that matchup. They've wanted it for a while. Um, interesting, Harry, as you say that that Rob was the guy that he wanted on his on his YouTube channel, which is pretty cool. You should check that out if you get an opportunity. I think his brother runs it, recaps his old fights, and sort of talks in detail about them. Pretty fascinating stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. Till all he needs to do is get his hand raised. Brunson, it's a slightly messier way back to the title. Obviously, as he's already kind of murked them, um, he would need a Vittori win there to Not sort of. Yeah, <laughs> he would need a Vittori win there to, to to get you know back in you know the, the sort of in the elite group. Um, but he has looked a different fighter. You got to give credit to Brunson. Yeah, he he's looked fantastic, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna beat Till. Yeah, I I, um, I think that's a bad matchup for Darren if Derek gets takedowns um, early in that fight. Um, but Darren just needs to go and watch the Izzy fight for a masterclass on how to beat Derek Brunson and that stuff to take down and pick him apart on the feet. And Darren certainly has that ability to do so. Um, right, sign me up, Paulo Costa, Jared Cannonier. Take my money, UFC. Take my money. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You had to do this fight, right? I'm so intrigued to see what yeah. Costa's going to look like in this fight. Like, if 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 he's going to come back like the old Costa we knew pre Adesanya uh, embarrassment, or you know, if we see some sort of drop off here. But pretty pivotal fight, if really, Paulo for Paulo. Costa, Very pivotal fight for him. If I'm Mr. Costa, I ain't going to be rushing in on Jared Cannonier. Especially a Jared Cannonier who was riding a, a, an impressive three-fight win streak and then sort of failed or flattered to deceive against Robert Whitaker, where he was completely shut out. Robert Whitaker is in a fantastic fighter, no doubt about that. But Cannonier barely fired a shot in aggression in that fight. And if Costa walks forward in the Paulo Costa we saw before 
the Israel Adesanya fight, he's going to get murked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cannonier, he will. He's got a point to prove as well. Obviously, didn't didn't fight to his potential there against Whitaker after being hyped as the, as the next challenger for Adesanya. So he's going to have no shortage of motivation. And you know, look at how much success Romero had there against Costa. Arguably, won that fight. Um, and you know, a guy in that mold, um, same mold as Romero, better striker, smarter grappler. Um, Costa should be worried. We need to, Costa's going to have to bring his absolute A game here A game. In, in terms of, to get his hand raised and you know a, a, really a KO is kind of what he what he'll need to sort of spring right back up into into the top group. I think both guides need that footy. Um, all right, uh, the man that no one wants to fight has a fight. Islam Makachev, who is the reincarnation of Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's fighting Tiago Moises. And another, I guess this is a fight for Makachev and the UFC where they're just continuing to try and establish him as a, as a legit future contender for the title. Um, but no one in the <laughs> top 10, I, I, it just doesn't make sense for anyone in the top 10 to fight a guy like Makachev. The, it's going to be so hard for him to get a fight with anyone near the top 10. He's going to have to take risks and fight, you know, until until the UFC say, right, he's the champ, or you fight this fight, and you if you fight Makachev, you get a title fight. Um, no one's going to want to fight this guy. And Thiago Moises is taking a risk here because, well, not a risk. This is a this is a, sh- a shot for a home run for Thiago Moises. Yeah, yeah, this is a fantastic opportunity for Moises. Um, I'm surprised someone's finally accepted a fight. It's taken a while, hasn't it? I mean, is Makachev eventually... As you said, he's going to have to sort of bolster his record a bit, keep putting together these sort of, un, you know, unignorable performances that have, yeah, he's been absolutely incredible so far. Um, and he's going to have to keep doing that. So Dana essentially forces him to fight someone, forces someone in the at least seven, top seven to fight him. Yeah. This is going to happen. And, you know, he's got star written all over him. I think Dana knows that's another big key to the um, to the East, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, man, looking forward to seeing him in action again for sure. He's, he's definitely one of the most I, I intriguing think, guys in the UFC at the moment. I think Makachev's way into the top 10 might be the winner of Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush. I think that might be where the UFC could go with Makachev, and that certainly would make a lot of sense. That would be a um, nice leap, yeah. If, if, he does, if he does it in yeah. impressive fashion against um, Moisey, for sure. Uh, also, uh, Tiago Santos looking to uh, escape a uh, three-fight skid uh, is on Johnny Walker um, and what should be a great all-Brazilian matchup between two fantastic strikers. Uh, Santos looking to get back in the win column after going pretty close to winning his last three fights but hasn't quite worked out for him as he'd hoped. Um, yeah, so uh, that I think that might be us as we head to Michael Chandler footy. Yeah, yeah. I think we've covered it all off. Hasn't been a super busy week in martial arts but um, obviously the big one this Sunday. Really, really good card. Even... It may have lost the Edwards Nate Diaz card, but think think about the long term benefits here. That's going to be going on the Adesanya Vittori card, so that one's even more stacked now um, to silly yeah. to to a, to an almost absurd extent. Um, so so that that's going to pay pay off for us in a month or so time. I think we've we've got enough action for us on uh, Sunday to keep us uh, pretty damaged. That's for sure. Speaking of Sunday, uh, caught up with Michael Chandler earlier in the week. Uh, as I said, what a great dude, and you'll get the you'll get the gist of that um, through this ten minute interview. It's uh, UFC lightweight's title challenger Michael Chandler on the Fight Club podcast. The Fight Club podcast. Heavy hitters. It's really cool to talk to you, man. Thank you for your time. Of course, thank you. Uh, man, this is it, Michael. This is your opportunity to announce yourself as the best lightweight in the world. You, you beat a fellow Kiwi for me, which broke my heart, and Dan Hooker, a friend of mine, but a great job with that. Charles Oliveira, 
four days away. How are you feeling, man? Man, I feel great. Um, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Um, I have a newfound respect for the toughness of Kiwis, New Zealanders, and, and hats off to, to Dan Hooker. Honestly, every single person inside the top five said no to fight me. Dan Hooker was the guy who had the gall uh, to stand up and, and say yes and step up. So hats off to him. I know he's going to come back. He's a guy who I look forward to sharing the octagon with eventually again. Um, but I feel phenomenal. You know, it, I think that that January 23rd fight against Dan Hooker was my introduction, obviously, to the UFC, the new UFC fans, the huge fan base. Um, and obviously the way that it happened worked out really well for me and warrants, you know, the title shot. I think I am a the benefactor of some crazy circumstances with Khabib retiring, Poirier and Connor are both uh, tied up, obviously, with the trilogy. So that left me and Charles Oliveira, and here we are. I had the best camp of my life, and I'm ready here just in a couple days' time to go get myself a UFC title. Yeah, and look, Oliveira a legit, uh, has a legit right to this fight, Michael. He's on an eight-fight win streak. He's one of the most experienced lightweights in the division, and he's looked phenomenal in the last two or three years. He's a real test for you because – you know, his striking's come a long way. His Obviously, his ground game is as good as any lightweight in terms of jiu-jitsu. Uh, this is a really interesting matchup for you to sort of work out how to how to take it on. It is, and that, that's, what I, that's what I got excited for. That, that, that's what I signed up for when I came over to the UFC. I came over to the UFC and wanted to, wanted to prove that I either I am or I am not one of the best guys in the world, and I yeah. was able to do that against Dan Hooker. Now I got, an, I got a scary, exciting interesting fight against Charles Oliveira. The guy has the most submission wins in UFC history, but not only has the most submission wins in UFC history, but he's so versatile. I think he's, he's done it six, seven, eight different ways in those 14 submissions or whatever it is. So you're kidding yourself. Make no mistake about it. Every moment that you are within arm's reach or able to be grabbed by or scrambling around with, rolling around with Charles Oliveira, you are in danger. And not just in danger, but very quick, very fast fight ending type of danger. So these are the kind of exchanges and types of fights that excite me. Uh, obviously, I have confidence in myself on the ground with my wrestling background, a lot of submissions, submission defense, um, and then probably even more confidence in the stand-up department to be able to go out there, get him on his heels, push him back right away, knock him out in the first couple rounds. And do you feel like the reasonably quick turnaround is a good thing for you? I mean, it's not that long ago that you were standing opposite Dan Hooker and now now you're back in there reasonably quickly. Do you think that's a, a bonus for you? I think it is. You know, I, I, I've been living over the last year or so between two different extremes, like wanting to be dad and husband and, and take my wife on dates and that kind of stuff. But as an athlete, you couldn't have asked. I could not have asked for a better year. I've been. I've spent so much time down in Florida, away from my family, which is painful. But as an athlete, mm. in the best possible training environment, mentally, physically, spiritually, around some of the best guys in the entire world, as athletes and as men, um, best coaching staff in the world, best training facility in the world at Sanford MMA. So when you're down in that environment for as long as I have been over the last year. I've had no other choice but to get 10 times better in every single regard. So as an athlete, I feel phenomenal. I love the quick turnarounds. As I said, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. I wanted to come in right away, kick down the door to the party, make myself known, improve. Hey, either I am who I say I am or I'm not. And I think so far I've proved that. And May 15th, I get to prove that even more against Charles Oliveira winning the lightweight title. And then July 10th, we see who the number one contender is whenever Connor and Poirier fight. 
And then it just onward and upward and a bunch of bunch more fun fights after that. That's the beautiful thing about being a lightweight in the UFC right now. Every single fight inside the top five, even in the top 10, is a barn burner. It's a fun, fun opportunity, and we're going to have a lot of fun here in the next couple of years. I think most fans would be licking their lips at the thought of Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. Is that a fight that you've got your eyes on as well at some point? Of course. You know, Justin Gaethje's the number two guy in the world right now. Um, he's he's a name that we've asked for numerous times. I've actually said yes to fighting Justin Gaethje two or three different times on two or three different occasions thus far, but they, things just didn't quite happen. Um, as I said, kudos once again, hats off to the stud Dan Hooker for actually saying yes uh, to that January 23rd fight. Um, so it's just, uh, that would be a fun one. You know, he, he talks about getting in car crashes. I'd love to meet him in the center, center of the octagon and, uh, see who breaks first. A couple of things to wrap. I've been a big fan of yours since the Will Brooks, Eddie Alvarez fights. Those are iconic fights uh, in Bellator, probably the greatest fights in the history of lightweight division, those those matchups you had. Um, even back then, did, were you eyeing the UFC and, and thinking, man, that's that's my end goal. That's where I want to prove that I am the best best in the world? i got to be honest. I mean, I knew that. I c- Cognitively, black and white, I knew the UFC is the best organization in the world, the biggest organization in the world. I will never be the number one lightweight in the world unless I go to the UFC. So I knew that. Was it always the end goal? Not necessarily because it always, it always just had to make sense. It had to, it had to be the right timing. As, as we talk about the door, kicking down the door, the door had to be wide open and make a ton of sense. There was moments there where it seemed like the, the, the door was kind of opening, but this last contract, as it was ending, it just seemed like that door was wide open, whether it was inside of me or inside my mind, inside my skill set, something Something in me said, "Hey, this is the time to test free agency. This is the time to go test yourself on the free mar- on the on the open market." UFC made an offer. The next day, I signed it, and a couple weeks later, I was you know in Abu Dhabi as the backup for the world title. So I always wanted to be here. I always hoped that it worked out. Even in my my phone call with Dana uh, the day before I signed, I said I wasn't signed. I didn't never sign with the UFC because I didn't want to. It just never seemed like the right time. Right now seems like the right time. Right now, I seem like I am the right guy to be able to come into this organization and do what I can do inside the octagon, outside the octagon, and be the the man, the fighter, the competitor, and the great ambassador for your division, for the lightweight division that you need and that you deserve. And that's what I've done thus far. That's what I've tried to do. And May fifteenth, this Saturday night, live on pay per view, I get to put a little uh, another uh, another wrinkle in the legacy. Uh, last one for me, Mike. Thanks for your time. Uh, MMA is an interesting beast. Not everyone can be John Jones or George St. Pierre and win a title in their mid-20s, right? Like you are, you know, mid-30s. Uh, Randy Couture won a heavyweight title at 43. We've seen Anderson Silva dominate the sport in his late 30s. Fedor Emelianenko the same. What would 34, 35-year-old Michael Chandler do to 23, 24-year-old Michael Chandler? And do you feel now this is your prime? I do feel like it's my prime. Um and, and that's just because I, I, I feel myself still getting faster, still getting the reaction time, still getting more snappier on my punches, still getting stronger. Um, you know, they, they say it's a young man's game. You know, as you alluded to, the Max Holloway's, the John Joneses, of course, um, there's guys who come in and win world titles at that young. But for the most part, every superstar in the sport right now is post 30. And a lot of them are 32, 33, 34, upper 30s. So, um, I think at 35 years old, I feel the happiest, healthiest, and hardest to kill I've ever been, the most athletic I've ever been. And truthfully, admittedly, uh, I got a lot of God-given gifts, but I've also 
taking care of my body and preserve, preserve my body. Uh, I was only fighting twice a year in Bellator and there was numerous years in a row back to back to back that I would fight two times in a year and get a quick finish and not take any damage. So my body feels phenomenal. My mind is preserved. I've supplement perfectly. I eat perfectly. I live the champion lifestyle and I've been doing that now for 13 years. So I just think, I think my body is, is at its peak right now. And I still think I have another 48 months uh, another three years maybe of, of this prime. And I think this Michael Chandler right now would absolutely physically, mentally, and spiritually dismantle the 22, 23-year-old Michael. Not because he wasn't tough. That was the only thing I had going for me. I got into the sport and said, listen, I don't barely know how to throw a punch. I don't know how to wrap my hands. I don't even know what jiu-jitsu is. But I'm one of the toughest mofos on the planet, so I'm going to go out there and just fight hard. I won my first world title 18 months into starting the sport, beat Eddie Alvarez. And then, you know, you, you mentioned – the other Eddie Alvarez fight, lost that one, lost to Will Brooks twice, went 688 days without a win. I took my licks. I took my bruises, pulled myself yeah. back up. And now this 35-year-old Michael has learned a ton from those lessons. And now I feel like I'm primed and ready. And all the roads have led to this juncture right now, May 15th at UFC 262. So I hope all the Kiwis show up and support. I know I had a, a, a fight against Dan Hooker, but I have a ton of respect for him, a ton of respect for all my Kiwis out there, and I appreciate you guys. That's awesome, bro. Hey, best of luck, man. I hope you win the bout this weekend. Good, good job. Thank you. Hey, and it's not just lip service, man. I, I respect Dan Hooker so much, man. You guys he is are a good great. human. You He's guys a very are good human. You guys are doing something great over there. I, I hope to one day make it over there and uh, visit, man, because I know it's beautiful over there, and the people seem beautiful. So, um Thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, make sure you tune in because we're, we're about to win a title. And no disrespect, maybe you could co-main a in Israel Adesanya heavy uh, oh. light title fight. Hey, man, <laughs> hey, I'm, okay. I'm okay with that. So let's go, man. I want to stack the cards as much as possible, man. The more eyeballs, the better. That's all that matters. Thank you, brother. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thanks. Have a good one. The Fight Club Podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. And a special thanks to uh, Spark Sport and the UFC for sussing that interview out for us. Uh, Michael Chandler on the Fight Club Podcast. Uh, you can uh, book the UFC 262 through Spark Sports. Uh, even if you're not a Spark Sport subscriber, you can uh, watch the pay-per-view this week if you're willing to uh, let go of 35 bucks fully, which is, which is kind of cool. Bargain. I think they pay about 80 in the US, don't they? It's 70 to $80 yeah, for a pay-per-view. US dollars, that is. We get it good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, that's us done and dusted here on the Fight Club Podcast. Hey, Footy, uh, thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy, busy day uh, to jump into the studio and have a chat to me today. Yeah, thank you. Better late than never. At least we got a little bit of fight chat out there in time for 262. And looking forward to uh, reviewing the fights with you next week. 100% will uh, drop the pot a little bit earlier next week. Just had a few things that have prevented me from getting into the office uh, this week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Remember, you can like and subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcast apps. You can also check us out on newshub.co.nz forward slash podcast. Um, and you can, uh, and then the Fight Club link is there. And we've got over, what, 80, 90 episodes there for you to, to delve into. Footy, thanks very much. Thank you, Brad. We'll see you guys next week on the Fight Club podcast. Okay. You've been listening to the Fight Club podcast. Like and subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more, check us out at newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.